You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, The Mandalorian, The Clone Wars, Jedi Fallen Order, and all the other awesome and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-hosts, Tim and Paul, with me. How's it going, guys? What's up? I mean, summer is almost over. We're in just about the middle of August, but that means... It's getting closer and closer to the fall, then to winter, then to the rise of Skywalker. So we did, I think we just got to make it through a few more weeks of downtime and not very much news. But then once we hit D23, that's going to get the ball really rolling on the rise of Skywalker content. Because we'll probably get some new I don't know, behind the scenes footage, maybe some a cool poster announcement or two. But then we roll that into September maybe get an article somewhere or some new reveals then we get triple force friday new trailer so i think the lull time is about to end and we're just going to be going into nothing but the rise of skywalker hype and i couldn't be more excited so (laughs) we're almost there uh guys this is is my uh time to announce that i'm leaving uh, the show because of star wars is boring now and uh because bloomberg (laughs) You just insane. didn't make it through the uh, whole time, Paul. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I just, guys, I, I wouldn't. I lived through the dark times, but right now, like you know, Galaxy's Edge is kind of struggling, so might as well jump out. It's not cool anymore. Could do my Marvel thing. Maybe I'll do like you know, Harry Potter. So, all right, see you guys. See you, Paul. Nice <laughs> yeah, Paul you sitting on. over there. Time to abandon ship. <laughs> 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 Obviously, I'm. I'm. Uh, I am uh, both lying. And I am also foreshadowing for an eventual topic we'll have at the very uh, towards the end of the show. So, just a little sneak preview, if I will. Wink, wink. Yeah, we're, we're gonna debunk some doom and gloom rumors. But uh, <laughs> first, of course, we got to talk about um, the little bits of Star Wars news that we've had over the past few weeks. It's weird. Our last episode was our Rogue One commentary, so it's been about a month since we recorded a news episode. And usually, when that happens. It's like, you know, we go a few weeks and there's like just little things here and there and there's not like a big trailer or article or something that we got to talk about. And so it feels like, oh, it's going to be kind of a short episode because we, you know, there's not that much news. And then we get around to recording and realize, oh, dang, there was a lot of little stuff that kind of piled up and it ends up still being like a three hour episode. Um, But this time we really don't have that much. Um (laughs) But uh, we do have a couple things that came out um, around the time of San Diego Comic-Con. 
Um, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about a couple of uh, new books and stuff that have come out recently and a couple other things that we're looking forward to. Um, but yeah, like you said, Tim, this is kind of the slow period right now um, before uh, things really start getting rolling um, for the hype train um, heading into The Rise of Skywalker. And like you said, D23 is later this month. At the end of this month, we're going to have a huge episode because not only is there D23, but there's also Gamescom. Um, and I think those are the same weekend. Um, and so we'll be getting not only stuff about The Mandalorian and The Rise of Skywalker, but also more news about Battlefront 2 and Jedi Fallen Order. And so we'll probably have like a giant episode to cover all that stuff at the end of the month. Um, but for right now, we've just got a few things. Um, but on the positive side, too, you know what I realized? We're more than halfway to a new trailer for The Rise of Skywalker. Um, we got the last one in April. And that was, so it's been, what, April, May, June, July, and now we're in August. And it's just going to be August, September, October if past indications, uh, you know, uh, are anything to go by. Um, so next thing you know, we'll be we'll be watching a new trailer for The Rise of Skywalker already. Um, yeah, you know how time is flying by, so it's going to be here before you know it, which is great. Yeah. And you know, and at D23, maybe we will get a, uh, like a behind the scenes reel or something. Cause I think we got one of those for both the force awakens and the last Jedi. Right. And I yeah. know yeah, the force awakens one was at comic-con. I remember that, but the last Jedi, I don't remember if they released that one at comic-con or D23. So, um, I believe it was yeah. D23 cause I don't think the last Jedi was at comic-con. Oh, okay. I don't think it was either. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get something like that, um, at D23 as well. So, um, Lots of cool stuff coming up here pretty soon, and maybe we'll even get our first uh, glimpse of on-screen footage of these new Sith Troopers that just got revealed. Um, mm. And that's really just the only kind of bit of movie-related news that we've got. Um, but, you know, at uh, Comic-Con last month, um, they revealed these new Troopers from uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, and I don't know, well, I'll, I'll get you guys' take on this, especially Tim, who's our resident Trooper expert. Um, but I think these guys look pretty cool. I mean, if you haven't seen them already, they're essentially first order stormtroopers. I mean, and we saw these on that leaked poster that came out a while ago too, where they've got, you know, they have the red helmets on there, but it's like full red and black armor kind of looks like a cross between maybe not really a cross between, but like first order stormtroopers that were kind of inspired by the Praetorian guards from the last movie. Um, especially with some of the weaponry that came with the action figure that they had at Comic-Con. Like he's got like a vibro blade looking thing as well as uh, a couple of blasters and stuff. Um, but, I mean, I think the design looks pretty cool, but then also the fact that they're called Sith Troopers, I think, is kind of the more intriguing thing. It's like, are these yeah. guys going to be serving Kylo Ren and he's trying to resurrect the Sith, or are these guys, is this kind of a splinter faction of the First Order that's reporting directly to Palpatine? Or, you know, do they know things about Palpatine or about the Sith that even Kylo doesn't know? Um so I think aside from just another cool looking trooper, um, just the name gives us, uh, you know, a little bit to chew on as far as what direction the story is going to go and what role these guys are going to have to play in it. Yeah. So as far as their look goes, I think they look cool, but I don't think they're ever going to end up being one of my favorite trooper designs. I mean, not even close to the level of a death trooper or a clone trooper, but I mean, it still has that cool stormtrooper look, so you can't go wrong with that. It's just not going to be, you know, 
the elite level of cool looking troopers but because like you said it's pretty much the first order stormtrooper with a coat of red paint on its armor and it's not something entirely new because but he's got a ha- flashlight on his shoulder well that makes all the difference in the world <laughs> <laughs> it's cooler than a death trooper now <laughs> but i mean even even though on screen it'll be the first time we've seen this type of trooper with the red color scheme but we've seen it before I mean, we see a blanking on his name, but that pilot in Resistance who had that red armor, and then even in the Phasma novel, we had one of the main characters, uh, Cardinal. Yeah. yeah. Who? Yeah, and the know, guy in Resistance is uh, Major Von Reg. There you go. Thanks. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's gonna look cool, but it's not gonna be something. Oh, like totally never seen this type of trooper before. So visually, again, it looks cool, but it's not gonna be one of my favorites. And I can't imagine look. At Comic Con, where they had that cool like trooper display, like that whole little booth, like showcasing the history of the looks of trooper. It's really of all the troopers in Star Wars. It was really cool. They had a video playing with Doug Chang talking about like you know the history and the designs they came up with for the different troopers. It was just really neat seeing them all on display at Comic Con in their booth. So that must have been really cool for those to check out. But I agree with you, Kyle. The thing that has me most excited about these Sith troopers is their name, <laughs> Sith troopers, and because I was not expecting that to be you know a faction of troopers that are going to be defined by the name sith to be in episode nine i think it's awesome though because like i said it brings up so many questions and for me when i heard that and even now after you know thinking about it some more since it was first announced i really do believe that they're going to be connected with palpatine and not the first order because as far as everything we know about the first order and even from the filmmakers is that you know Snoke is not a Sith. Kylo Ren is not a Sith. So why would they have a faction of stormtroopers called Sith Troopers? And I would like to believe that this was all part of Palpatine's plan, you know, to, you know, we'll find out how he survived or how he comes back in the Rise of Skywalker. But um, like I said, when we found out he was going to be in it, I always felt this was always part of his plan, even knowing that he'd probably die or in case he died, he would eventually have something planned to have him come back. And I think these Sith Troopers are going to be part of that. Maybe there was, you know, a small faction during the Empire days that were so secretive and so, you know, elitely trained that um, and not many people knew about it. Maybe just Palpatine, maybe Vader didn't even know about him, that Palpatine trained them just to kind of survive in case he didn't. And maybe they secretly trained other soldiers that they thought maybe could fit in with their ranks and just have it continue on until Palpatine comes back. Like they'll always be there. And then when he comes back, there's, you know, we don't know how many <laughs> Sith Troopers is going to be, but like you said, judging from that poster, it looks like there's going to be a good number of them. So it looks like they are going to have a fair amount of soldiers in that Sith Trooper battalion. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how they're going to be utilized because if they are, are going to go up against the First Order and the Resistance and the Knights of Ren, because you got all these, you know, potentially four different factions in this movie that may face off each other or with different sections with those groups so it's going to be interesting to see what role they're going to play and yeah i just can't wait to see how they're actually connected to the grand scheme of things and the story for the rise of skywalker so right now i'm leaning towards more of that palpatine connection and i think that would be the coolest way for them to be utilized as to have that be part of palpatine's plan because even like i said the color scheme of them being red you mentioned the praetorian guards and i'm gonna take it even further back of being the Emperor's Royal Guards from what we saw in Return of the Jedi and then in Episodes 2 and 3 as well. So 
Palpatine just likes the color red, I guess, to be used for his most elite soldier. And so I think that could be a cool way for them to fit into that Palpatine connection as well. So we'll see, but I'm excited to see them in action, see what they can do. Mm-hmm. You, uh, I think you said everything I ever could say about a red stormtrooper. <laughs> uh, Tim. Uh, if it was blue, yeah. I could have gone on even further. <laughs> oh, I love blue too. Don't get me wrong. I love blue. The Sith trooper is cool. The The problem right now is that you, you, it's kind of, it is a cool motif. We have the red, obviously I, I, I second everything you pretty much say, Tim. Like I, I think these, these troopers are mainly with Palpatine. I'm assuming and I, I remember I tweeted something out right when this was announced, and I said, I, I'm, I'm, I'll be more, I'll be more behind and excited about these characters and, the, and these troopers themselves because they do, they do look cool. I mean, let's be, let's face it, they look cool, right? The problem is, is that I want them to have that name for a legitimate reason, and it better not suck. Yeah. So I'd agree with that. That's. I'm a little worried about it. And I, and before, cause here's the thing it's a, right now, the sequel trilogy. And I know people know I've, I've been a little more harsh on the sequel trilogy than I normally maybe would on, I don't know, just star Wars in general, but like I was harsh in the prequel trilogy too, in some ways. And, and I've grown to love that even more and more, but with this, with the, with the sequel trilogy, there hasn't really exactly been sometimes good reasons for things you don't always need a good reason to have something cool at the same time. But I don't know. It just feels like it just without having the context behind it. I just, I'm wary because I haven't loved the context behind a a number of things from the sequel trilogy, not all things, but some things enough where it makes me skeptical. I'm not like loosely or, um, blindly saying this is amazing. Oh my God. You know, that's not, (laughs) I'm just, I've been burned right now a little bit from the sequel trilogy in general. Um, and so I, I'm skeptical where this could go. I'm hopeful that this could mean something like protecting Palpatine or something, but I just don't know. And I just want there to have a, to be a really cool reason besides the fact that they're, they're red and they may, you know, uh, who knows, but that's, that's where my skepticism is going to be. I think they look great though. I think it's cool. You know, I like the modifications. I like the color designated idea. I just hope there's a reason. Let's hope. And again, they don't have to spell it out for me, but give me it in the guidebook. Give me some more. Give me some. Give me some meat. I want a good reason why they call them Sith troopers in the movie or in the in in the universe. Let's go. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I think like I hear what you're saying about there being some stuff in the sequel trilogy that you like is a certain way. And you think that there's more to that or that it's for a specific reason. And it's not. It's just. Uh, nah, there it is. Like, um, and I'm trying to think of a good example right now, but you know, you don't want this to end up being a situation where it's like, oh yeah, we got some cool new red stormtroopers, and we're just gonna call them Sith troopers because they're red and menacing, and the Sith used to be a thing. Um, but no, I think that like, especially with the way that they've gone out of their way to say that like Snoke is not a Sith, Kylo Ren's not a Sith. They wouldn't just have some new stormtroopers and call them Sith truth Sith troopers just for the heck of it. Like these guys are going to be affiliated with the Sith, and of course we know that's Palpatine. Um, so whether there's like a really deep connection somewhere, or they have like a really pivotal story role, or whether this is just Palpatine's personal stormtrooper legion and they call them Sith troopers because he's the Sith Lord and he's returned. I think either way, it's going to have a logical reason for for why they picked that name, like. The Sith is a significant thing. 
I hope so. I mean, and again, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to throw shade. Honestly, I I just I'm not I'm not convinced that's what's going to happen. I could be wrong. At the same time, too, I think we'll probably even talk about this a little bit when we get to um, the Kylo Ren comic topic. But maybe I don't think we should expect too much as far as explanation into why they're called Sith Troopers in the movie. Like I'm not. I think you, yeah. you brought a good point, Paul, about you know have that be in the guidebook and whatnot. I'd hope we at least get to hear them be called Sith Troopers in the movie, and it's not something that we just know because we see all the merchandise and we saw the announcement about them being called Sith Troopers. But if you were just to go into the movie, they're not called that, and you just think, oh, they're Red Storm Troopers, that would be kind of um, you know a little lame in my opinion, where they're not even referred to that because, like you said, being called a Sith is a pretty big deal, especially when you're in apply- applying it to. A legion of troopers because we're always just familiar mainly in the star wars universe of sith you know being a, a title for dark side users who studied in the ways of the sith and we know of course they're, they're legends now but maybe this will eventually become a canon story where you know there was the sith army and whatnot and maybe this will be something that's connected to that and maybe tie down to a story in the future that will be told regarding you know uh, the Sith Army or the Sith Empire back in the days of the Old Republics, but who knows? But at the same time, not expecting too much of an explanation or a reasoning uh, to be told in the movie why they're called Sith Troopers. I just, I'm just hope to hear them be called Sith Troopers, whether it's Palpatine calls them that or whoever. But the fact that it's known to whoever they're going up against that they knows they know that these troopers are not just any old type of stormtroopers just with red paint on them. There's some significance because they have the name Sith in their name. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, like you said, there's some of that that might just be explained through through guidebooks and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I'm with you. I hope that that connection is mentioned in the movie that they actually call them Sith troopers and that you know maybe from a story perspective they actually associate them with the Sith. Aside from us just having to put the dots together and know, oh well, Palpatine's a Sith, so these must be the Sith troopers because they're with the yeah. Sith Lord. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, I mean, again, like I said, I, I think I'm definitely more interested to know just sort of what role the Sith and Palpatine and all of that are going to play in the movie as opposed to just the role that these troopers are going to play. But right now their name is like our only link to that. So, um, it was just a cool little tease. I mean, again, it was cool to show off that new trooper armor, but then also with the name drop be like, oh, and what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally. But you mentioned something else that plays into the next point that we're going to talk about, and this is probably the biggest piece of news that we've gotten recently, at least for those of us who are fans of Kylo and the Knights of Ren and just want more backstory on that whole situation going on. Um, First of all, update for you guys, because, uh, you know, Paul loves to harp on me like I am apparently illiterate and don't read. Um, I don't, I don't, I know you can read you fool. You just don't stay caught up. You're like, Oh, should I read this? Like, yeah, it came out like 10 years ago. Of course you should read it. I mean, come on. I mean, yes. Yeah. No, I, I read every once in a while, um, when I'm not playing battlefront or working and doing other stuff. Um, no, but I did finish the Vader comic series that you guys have been singing the praises about forever. Um, the most recent one by Charles Sewell, who we now know is his next project that he's working on is a Knights of Ren uh, and Kylo Ren uh, backstory comic um, that's going to be, I think, what, a five-issue miniseries? 
Four. Um, just four, unfortunately. Four. I mean, it should, it should be longer than that. Um, it should be an ongoing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just do that. Um, but, I mean, maybe they'll expand it. Because didn't they initially do that with, like, the Kanan comic where it was supposed to just be a mini series and they were like, hey, let's make more of these? Um, I don't remember. Well, I... it... Go ahead, Tim. No, I was just going to say, now that you mentioned that, I vaguely remember that being the case, but I'm like, not 100% sure. But, I, I, I think, think it was. I, no, you're, no, he's right, you're right. You're I right, kept up was. with the first few issues of that, and then they kept going, Hard and I was believe. like, oh, I thought the story was over. Um, no, it, there was – you're right. There, It was originally going to be a five-issue miniseries, but then they, they decided to make it an ongoing kind of like – with, with rebels kind of being successful. And the, I think the first couple issues were a high order. They decided to kind of keep it going. I believe something around that. And, um, yeah. So with this though, it, it's not, that won't happen. I'm not saying it, like an ongoing Kylo Ren wouldn't happen at some point. I'm just saying at, at this stage in the game, uh, I would say no, because they, they probably, well, I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't I mean, be, well, I, I see what you're saying like, because they're obviously trying to connect this with the rise the of Skywalker. And so if right, these if right. these four issues end with like right before the Force Awakens, then you know you're not really gonna have room to keep expanding the story. But um regardless, I mean Charles Sewell himself uh described this as the story of Ben to Ren. Um and so presumably this is gonna start with the story of Ben Skywalker or Ben Solo when he's still a Jedi Padawan under Luke Skywalker. Um and so the story possibilities for this, like this is just gonna give us hopefully so much stuff that we that we've wanted to know, um, regarding like even how Kylo first met Snoke and how like the way that Snoke was kind of influencing him and what that all looked like and then what finally turned him to the dark side and then um, obviously I'm sure we'll see in that story, um, the stuff we see in the last Jedi where, uh, you know, Luke confronts him and he turns on him. And, and then, uh, as Luke says, he takes some of his students with him, who of course we've always assumed were the Knights of Ren. Um, and so just to finally get that all fleshed out, um, and see exactly what all went down, how he went from Ben Solo to Kylo Ren and how the Knights of Ren were created and then what they were doing together as a group. Um, because again, all we've seen of the Knights of Ren have just been, you know, that quick flashback scene in the force awakens, um, and a couple quick mentions of them, but on, you know, then we've just seen Kylo Ren acting on his own or with the rest of the first order or whatever. So we don't know what his title, you know, master of the Knights of Ren means or what he's been up to with, uh, this group. And then of course, what the Knights of Ren have been up to during the course of the, uh, the first two sequel trilogy films. So I'm really excited to finally get this piece of backstory filled in. And this is something that, I mean, we've talked about for a while and said, like, man, I wish, you know, this would make a perfect comic series. And, you know, they keep making stuff that's set during the original trilogy or whatever. And we're like, man, give us Knights of Ren already and give us that backstory. So we're finally getting that. And I'll tell you guys, like, it depends on the release date because I still prefer to buy the comics in, like, the collected trade paperback volumes because I feel like those just look nicer on your shelf and you can just, like, read the whole book. And so I don't know if I'm going to get like all the individual issues, but also if the if the paperback isn't going to be out until after the uh, the rise of Skywalker, then I probably will just get all these comic issues as they come out. Um, but I'm going to be right there with you guys as like a, this isn't going to be an eh, I'll get around to it. This is one of those ones that I'm like, all right, I got to check this out. 
Sweet. So we'll all be able to talk about it at the same time. Then. <laughs> That'll be your yeah. first Star Wars comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you could all you could always do the thing where Kyle, you you buy them digitally and then buy the trade. You know, when it comes out or something like that. So, or you could borrow someone's login to you know read it too. I'm sure. I'm sure some one of us would help you out with that. So, I mean, never do that. Never give someone their login. I this we are this pirates. Series. We don't even yeah, know what that means. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well said. Well said. This this comic series is probably I think like three years too like too like came out too late. Like, you know, not like late, like it's it's like it shouldn't come out, but like it should have been out three years ago, is what I'm saying. And I want I, I, I think that, you know, as far as Lucasfilm, like the mystery box idea was cool for Force Awakens, but they really sh- once they revealed everything in the Force Awakens, they really should have started like, again, if they had a better direction from the start, they probably should have done this a lot sooner to get us more invested in these characters. Because right now there's not really much going on with them. And so that being said, now, now that we're finally getting that in this book um, or in these comics, it's really exciting because as all you know who listen to the show, I love Charles Soule's uh, Darth Vader series. Me and Tim have been raving about it. We made Kyle read it. Kyle, you like you was it? Did it live up to the hype? I mean, it was excellent. Uh, I don't know if it go. quite lived up to the hype, just because you guys built the hype up so much. To be but fair, like, we did. Yes, <laughs> it was still. So I think for me, maybe it didn't completely blow me away because I already went in expecting to be blown away. But it was a very good story. Yes, so because Kyle can't deal with comic book hype, he uh, didn't like it as much <laughs> as we did. So, uh, no, I'm just giving you a hard time. No, but but that being said, I think you would anyone who read those comics know would know that if there's one person that could do Kylo Ren justice in the comic books, it's going to be Charles Soule. The dude, gets yeah, absolutely. That, and that, and I, to those, be clear, like yeah. I would give the Vader comic like a solid probably nine out of 10, maybe like 8.5 out of 10 oh, at the lowest. Dude, that's like exactly what I would say it is. Well, see, I, mean, I like, thought you would get, you sound like you'd give it like a 12 out of 10. So again, that's well, what I'm saying. Like that. Well, okay. That's actually very, that's, I, I mean, in realistic terms, I mean, like it's it, hardly anything's going to be a 10 out of 10. Right. I, this thing's pretty close. It's like, I'd say it's a nine out of 10 for yeah. sure. Like, yeah. And honestly, for me, there were just as someone who's not a normal comic book reader, there were just a couple things in there that were like a little over to the, over the top to the point where it's like this would only happen in a comic book. Like, Don't say lightsaber again. Yes, I was gonna say like no. Joe Costa no. new no. building her freaking no. Transformers lightsaber gun. No. <laughs> yeah, that was just one of those things that like pulled me out a little bit and made me go, eh, okay, I guess I can buy it, but like this makes me feel like I'm reading a comic book. You know what? You know what the funny thing is. Obviously, Story Group didn't think so. They approved it. <gasps> Boom! <laughs> well, they approved it, it, a lot. Yeah, they approved a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But all right. But I, I'm glad. So we, to be clear, people, Kyle really is on my side. We both think it's an almost perfect comic book. How about yes, that? Almost yes. Yes. No. And when I oh. heard that he was the one writing this Kylo Ren comic, I was like, excellent. I right. fully support this 100. percent Yeah. So. So there, there was a lot going on with this book, and it, at least for you know, I it first announced it, and I got really excited, and I saw Charles Souls in it. I'm like, oh my gosh! What I thought was interesting, so it, it, someone had to go ahead and mention, 
you know, I, you already mentioned it, Tim, I think, but uh, someone on my Twitter, as soon as I announced it, was freaking out. <laughs> someone goes, only the worst thing about this news is that it's not an ongoing. I was like, God, why do you have to remind me? You know, <laughs> the fact, I just love the fact that he said, like, someone said that right away. I'm like, oh, he sucked. You have to just ruin my happiness right away. It's not an ongoing. Suck. Um, but anyway, uh, what I thought was interesting, I, I texted uh, Jennifer Heddle. Uh, she's like the head of Lucasfilm Publishing and she was kind of talking about it and I politely said Miss Heddle uh, do we know the artists for this book and she funny enough said there hasn't been one uh, attached yet she doesn't think hmm. and I thought that, that was very interesting now, now, now Tim and I are into comics and I'm not sure how much Tim knows the comic, you know, side of the, of the business side of, of at least of creating the stuff. And I'm not going to pretend I know like a lot about it. I know a little bit, but I would think that with how slow artists go these days, uh, if they haven't started working on the comic yet, they better get started on that fast. Cause that first issue is going to need to be out in six and like what, let what Sierra it's, uh, August, September, November, October or October, November, and then December. It comes out in December, right? Five months. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I, obviously it's going to come out once a month. I mean, it's, it's it's a once a month book, right? It's a monthly book, monthly yeah. limited series. Yeah. So they have to start cracking on it pretty quick, and uh, obviously the scripts are done for uh, for for it. But uh, maybe they already have someone in mind. I don't know. Or maybe she just doesn't know. I don't whatever, but obviously they don't have an artist lined up completely because they would have announced it. I assume if they did. Right. So it's, um, it's interesting. Well, it's surprising I, I, to me to be honest, cause I, I totally agree with you for to announce something that's coming out in December. I would think again, I don't know the total scheduling as far as, you know, the artwork, how much time is needed before you do it before it goes to print but i would think they would have an artist an artist attached to it by now for a book that's coming out in december so right that it was surprising wonder, to me hearing you say that i wonder if it's if it's somewhat like a like here here's there's a couple common people i think it might be i i think i i do think diodato is, is, is a possibility that's the one i'm rooting for um he's the guy who wrote or wrote he uh, drew vader down a great, great, great crossover. I love Vader Down. It's pretty uh, good. <laughs> people, people, you don't like it? I thought it was good, not amazing. Oh, or great. we might have to do a. We might have to send. Um, I'll probably have to reread it because I don't remember everything about it. There were some cool Vader moments. Don't get me wrong, but well, we might have to maybe send a little login over to our friend Kyle here and make <laughs> him read it because we sure we sure know that guy hasn't read it. <laughs> Wait, is that is that the comic where uh, Vader's like surrounded by rebels and he says, "All I'm surrounded by is fear and dead men"? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I haven't read the comic, but that's an awesome image. All that stuff is great. Uh, I will definitely say that. Tim, I think you need to reread it. You must have been reading it when you were in a bad mood or something. Cause that 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 was, I thought, pretty a pretty fun series. Maybe. I just but, remember the two droids not kind of slowing things down a bit. Afra's you know, droids. I, yeah. Okay. Okay. We we need it. We need a. We should do a. Uh, if if news is slow on the next like regular news episode, maybe we should just read that comic series as a like a little little aside, if you will. But but yeah, I, I think the series is. Uh, I think Diodato could write, could draw it, like because I think they're gonna get a big name to, or a semi big comic name in Marvel to draw it. And I think uh, Diodato is probably a front runner. I would assume. I hope. I keep tooting my own horn to, to if that does happen. I predicted it, but <laughs> it probably won't happen. Knowing me, um, 
I think Salvador La Roca, possibly. I know a lot of people are going to like cringe at that name. I don't. I think he gets a lot of unfair hate. I think he's possible to do it. Um, I'm not sure if Phil Noto will do it. I know he's drawing the, the Star Wars comic right now, which I'm behind on. Uh, I mean, he's possible. But I would say it's, some, you know, maybe the guy, uh, Giacchetto, is that his name? Um, maybe Michael Giacchetto. Uh, he drew the uh, Screaming Citadel first issue, which was a bad. Which is the crossover. only good thing about it was the art. <laughs> that art was Wait, didn't he do the art for Phasma? Um, no, no, the uh, Shattered Empire. Because uh, that name yes. sounds familiar, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah, one yeah, of the yeah, few yeah, comics yeah, that I've yeah, read. Yeah. That art was really nice. And the Phasma you know, art was fantastic, too. So, yeah, 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 that guy's great. Yeah. The Phasma art was what made that book. The book, I mean, the book wasn't Oh, bad, wait, wait, wait. Okay, as you guys were talking about this, I remembered I've been, I've been letting you guys talk comics, and I was scrolling through Charles Sewell's Twitter feed because I could have sworn I had seen him say something about this. Um, somebody, this was back on July 30th. Somebody asked him who was doing the art, and he said the art team for The Rise of Kylo Ren is set and I'm sure will be announced soon. So they haven't announced mm-hmm. it yet, but they have mm-hmm. the artists. Okay. So okay, that, good. That uh, makes that's, more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that does make a lot more sense. Well, thank, thank you, Cal, for that great detective work. That's, I mean, I'm being serious, too. That's great. Yeah, I no problem. Again, I just – I remembered – I don't know if – I don't – yeah, I don't think I actually follow him on Twitter. I think I must have just seen this – you know, in passing and related to all the Star Wars stuff that was going on. Um, yeah. But I had to go back and double check because I'm like, I'm not enough of a comic nerd that I'm confident that I know that's what he said. Well, and, you know, the the thing is with and with this, and I'm wondering, too, like if, if it's not D. Dotto or G. Uh, G. you know who it probably is. And I, I, w- I wouldn't be mad because I when this person teamed up with Charles Soule for Vader, I uh, didn't think it would be good. And I totally was wrong. Um, that would be uh, um, Giuseppe uh, Camicoli. And uh, he's the guy who drew all of the 12, or not 12, uh, 20-something issues, I believe, of Darth Vader. I'm only, I don't think he ever skipped an issue. I think he was with him the whole time. And they had a great, great chemistry. And even though um, Giuseppe, Cam- uh, um, Giuseppe uh, Camicoli is a... Is not I wouldn't say he's a perfect fit for Star Wars. He fits enough to where I I, lo- I love his work. So I think that's probably I, I would say he's probably my front runner at this point. If it's not, you know, Diodato or whatever, just because they work together and they have a great chemistry. But also, oh, a dark horse. Also, Alex Maleev. He did uh, Lando with him as well. Mm. Maleev would be, be that. Oh wow, that that's actually you know what I take it all back. <laughs> it's either the Adato's gone. I, I don't. It's not going to be him. It's going to be either Maliev or uh, Chemicoli. One of those two. It's one of those two. Ha- Maliev. Thinking about Kylo Ren, Knights of Ren, origin series with Alex Maliev art. Tim. Oh my lord. Oh my lord. Whoa. 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 Okay, that's who I think it is. So yeah, I, obviously as you can tell, I'm excited. <laughs> well, we'll find out who is the main art team on the book. But be- you know, before we find that out, we got to say though that teaser image of the co- cover for the rise of kylo ren comic is freaking awesome i love that pose mm-hmm. <laughs> just kylo ren with the holding down his crossplate of lightsaber with the knights of ren behind him just it just looks really really cool so just the glimpse at the cover just making me excited to see more of the artwork for these you know cool looking characters and these four issues are gonna be so cool so but i mean just to echo what you guys were saying 
about this is pretty much a match made in heaven a story we've been dying to find out more about with one of the sequel trilogy's main characters as well as it being done in comic form by one of the best star wars writers <laughs> to ever come up with a star wars story for one of its most iconic characters in darth vader so you got charles soul telling the story of kylo ren i mean how can you not be excited about that i mean i just cannot wait to read this it just seems like it's a perfect match to tell this story in comic form by charles soul so it's going to be great i have no doubt about that and if, and, if i'm if oh i'm tim i'm so sorry go ahead go ahead no, I'm sorry. i was just going to say the one thing i've been seeing you know like kind of the one negative about it was that you know, this probably means we're not going to get you know much backstory to the Knights of Ren in the Rise of Skywalker, and I can kind of agree with that. But at the same time, like I was saying with the Sith Troopers, I don't think that's something we necessarily should be expecting too much of when we see the Rise of Skywalker, because I mean you said this before too, Paul, where they just got enough on their plate already with trying to wrap up the Skywalker saga and eight movies that came before it. So there's not going to be a whole lot of time to focus on the backstory of the Knights of Ren. And I'm kind of, I would just be okay if we got a little something like um, Obi-Wan said to Luke in the new hope, just describing the Jedi, how, you know, they're the guardians of peace and justice in the Knights in the old Republic before the dark times. I mean, if we get a little, you know, brief bit of dialogue about that, maybe it's Kylo Ren saying it about the Knights of Ren or whoever, but just to give you a little something, but also, making you want to know more about them because I'm sure that's what it did to everyone seeing A New Hope for the first time when Obi-Wan was telling that to Luke in the history of the Jedi. He didn't say much, but it probably your imagination went wild as far as, you know, what the Jedi were and what they could be and, you know, name dropping the Clone Wars for the first time and what was that all about. So so if we get a little stuff like that about the Knights of Ren and the Rise of Skywalker, I think that would be cool. It would just be the perfect, you know, setup and, you know, hype building for the comic to when it comes out later that month so i don't think that's something to be necessarily too concerned about about having the comic be the main source of where we're going to get our information and backstory for the knights of ren if anything i think it'd just be you know a nice compliment and an, ex an expansion to hopefully what uh, we get in the movie so i it's going to be great and i i love that it is coming out in december even though i want to read it now but it's going to be awesome to when you see the rise of, when you see the rise of skywalker that month and then you have another story to go to about something you've been wanting to see and learn about for so long in the night or the rise of Kylo Ren comics. So it's just going to be great that we're getting both in that same month. So yeah, as you can tell, I'm just as excited as you guys are about it. So it's going to be great. I can't wait. Yeah, definitely. I, and I, I mean, and I think and relief. I, I just want to add really fast, Cal. I just want to just take one quick second. I am so grateful that Marvel and you touched on this already a little bit, Tim, I'm so grateful it's in comic book format. Like I don't yeah. want I don't want a novel. I take a obviously I take like a TV show or a cartoon or whatever, but I, I so much prefer this as a comic than like a novel. A novel is like whatever. I know novels are fine, but whatever. But comic book that this is meant for a comic book in my opinion. So, totally agree. Yeah, yeah no, I agree with just, that. Yeah, yeah, but um, Tim, uh, to what you were saying is about um you know, how this might relate to their role in the movie. I still think, I mean, I'm kind of with you that like, I'm not expecting a ton of backstory for them in the movie anyways. Um, but I don't think that the fact that we're getting a comic means that we won't get anything because again, especially since they were name dropped in the force awakens. And we know that they have some association with Kylo Ren, but we don't know what it is or where they've been this whole time. You have to give enough explanation in the movie 
to explain like their role within that story. Like we don't need to get the full backstory in the movie. And I'm sure that, like you said, the comic is going to expand on a lot more and tell us a lot more than the movie's going to, which I think that's why they're going to go great together. But I also think that, you know, they know that not everybody's going to read the comic and that there are some people who are going to watch force awakens and pick up on that mention of the Knights of Ren and then watch the rise of Skywalker. And you can't just throw those guys in there and like not explain what's going on there. So, um, yeah, I think we're still going to get at least a little bit of explanation within the movie, and then it's just going to be cool to see that expanded on even further in this comic, and I can't wait to see what they do there. And as far as that awesome cover art that you mentioned, uh, Paul, Doe's Masks, though, am I right? Oh, Damato. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. The, you know, the Knights of Ren look fantastic, and again, it's a shame we haven't got them in introduced sooner in the last Jedi. I know I like the Praetorian guards and I love that scene a lot. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm, but I almost think that they could have really, they don't have to be in the, They didn't have to be in it that much in last Jedi, but they could have been peripherally or something, you know, I mean, see, I, I don't know. Yeah. I think we'll have to wait to see how they're handled in the rise of Skywalker before I would say, Oh, they needed to be in the last Jedi or whatnot, because they might have a role that just feels right for, what they were meant to be in this trilogy in episode nine. So I'll reserve judgment before <laughs> I say if they needed to be in episode eight or whatnot. So yeah, same here. I, mean, I will I'm say just, what I want. I'm just glad <laughs> we're finally getting them. And so once we see how their story plays out, then we'll see, you know, if it could have been done better or if it was just right and they were right where they needed to be. Um, but that was pretty much the big news out of, um, San Diego Comic-Con, which is the Sith Trooper reveal and then the announcement of that comic. Um, there was some other publishing news and announcements, a couple other new comics, and uh, they revealed some pretty cool title art for the uh, the Allegiance comic series that's part of the Journey to the Rise of Skywalker line. Um, but then a couple other, you know, brief publishing things. Oh, they also revealed the cover for the uh, Rise of Skywalker Visual Dictionary, which also gives us... Um, just a couple brief things here. Our first look at the Tide Dagger, which I think we've seen images of before, but I don't know if we knew that name. Um, so that's the new First Order ship, the Tide Dagger. And then also we had seen in some of the promotional images and stuff that new character Janna, who's like riding on the back of that creature and she's got a bow. Well, the cover of this confirms that it is an energy bow. So we haven't seen that yet. Um, in any of the images or anything, but I wonder if it's actually going to be, you know, firing energy bolts like the Night Sister bows that we saw in Clone Wars. So that'll be pretty cool to see. Yeah, um, I'm glad they decided to go that route. Actually, ends up working out. Yeah, yeah, I'm and, sure you're happy with that, Tim, as opposed to just stormtroopers getting killed by regular sticks and stones again. Exactly. We don't need to go <laughs> down that road again. <laughs> I just love how these visual dictionaries—they all focus on like the coolest-looking characters of the movie it's based on. I mean, even going back to the prequel trilogy, Darth Maul was on the episode one, Jango Fett on episode two, Grievous on episode three. And then it's continuing with the sequel trilogy where you had Kylo Ren and then you had the Praetorian Guard or Last Jedi now, a, a Knights of Ren on the Rise of Skywalker. So you're guaranteed a cool looking character on the cover for these visual dictionaries. So I just love that they continue that trend. Yeah, definitely. And that, for sure. I mean, that's probably our best look yet at one of the Knights of Ren and that's a great looking yeah. image. Good point. Um, but aside from that, there are also a couple, uh, you know, a couple big publishing releases that just came out recently. 
Uh, the new Thrawn Alliances book is out. Or, sorry, not Thrawn Alliances, Thrawn Treason. Alliances is the one that came out last year that I'm still not done reading yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Thrawn Treason is out, as well as Star Wars Myths and Fables, which is one that I know a lot of people are excited about. Um, I picked that one up and I haven't finished, I've only read one of the nine stories that's in there so far, but, um, I mean, I really enjoyed that one and just the presentation of it. I mean, all the artwork and stuff is beautiful. So, um, a couple new Star Wars books to check out if you're looking for something to read while we're waiting for more news and trailers and stuff. Um, and then also they just announced a new book called, uh, The Secrets of the Jedi. Now, I know a lot of people are excited about this one as well, and I actually kind of have some mixed feelings about this, but this is kind of like a guidebook on the history of the Jedi, but it's, like, narrated and written from the point of view of Luke Skywalker, um, which, first of all, I think is awesome. I think it's awesome that we're getting a book about the history of the Jedi written by Luke Skywalker. I think the artwork that they've revealed for this looks amazing, and I might buy it just to have the artwork, uh, you know, the cover art sitting on my bookshelf. Um... But then they posted a few of the pages on StarWars.com as a preview, and it just, I don't know, I hate to be a naysayer here, because I've seen some people being really excited about this, but it seems really shallow to me. Like, Luke hmm. spent 30 years traveling the galaxy and, you know, trying to learn ancient Jedi history and stuff, and all the stuff that's in here is stuff that we already know, just written from the point of view of Luke Skywalker. And there's a couple cool things, like it's cool to see him talk about Qui-Gon Jinn and Ahsoka Tano and even like the Force Priestesses from Clone Wars and, you know, characters that we all know and love but that we know that Luke never actually met and it's cool to get his perspective on them. But it's just like a short little paragraph on all those topics. He talks about the Old Republic and basically his... his you know, the, the thing on the Old Republic is basically, well, there are a lot of gaps in the history but from what I can tell, the Jedi are almost as old as the Force itself. And it's like... Obviously, they're just leaving a lot of stuff out because they still have yet to go in and fill in those <laughs> yeah. old Republic stories. But I really would have wished that like something like this would have given us some new tidbits of information or teased some upcoming stories or even told, you know, uh, just make up a story just to put in here about some ancient Jedi Knight or ancient Sith Lord that Luke found out about that they don't even need to make a movie about or anything. You could just have that story just be in this book. So I'm a little disappointed in the content of it, at least from the preview that they've posted here. But also I looked up like the pre-order page on Amazon and it's only 32 pages. And so I'm like, I don't think it's going to be a lot more than what's posted right here. Um, but like I said, on the plus side, just the idea of it is cool. And the artwork is all gorgeous. I just wish it was more meaty content. Yeah. I think that's a fair point of what you said about, you know, not expanding anything further than what's already in the established canon. And I kind of agree with that, where it does make your eye roll when they put something like that saying, oh, well, there's not that much recorded documents or whatnot about this part of the history. And we know it's because, you know, they haven't made those stories yet or movies yet that we know are coming. So it's better if they don't even mention it, in my opinion, because I've read some other, um, like some old legend stuff, other, other essential guides that, we're saying like during the prequel era, it, it was came out after episode one, but before episode two and three, and it mentioned the Battle of Naboo, but it said, you know, records are pretty spotty about what happened after the events of the Battle hmm. of Naboo. So <laughs> that type of stuff, it's best if they just left untold or yeah. unmentioned if that story is that we know are coming, just haven't been told yet. So I get where you're coming from there, but man, I, 
I am really excited about this because of what you just said, just the concept of it about seeing Luke's perspective and his thoughts on stuff that we know and love from Star Wars history, like the Clone Wars and other characters like Qui-Gon. I mean, to see Luke talk about Qui-Gon or read Luke talk about Qui-Gon Jinn and stuff from the Clone Wars is going to be really cool. And I didn't, I'm glad I did it now, especially when you said it's only about 32 pages. I didn't read any of those excerpts that they had in those images on StarWars.com. I just looked at the art because I want to read it when I actually get the book. And so especially now that it's not going to be too much more than this, I'm glad I held off so I can just read it all when I get the book. Because I'm definitely going to get it. Like you said, the artwork's fantastic. I think it'll be worth it just from that. And I just like these books in general. It reminds me of that old uh, Path of the Jedi book that was shaped like a journal that got passed down from master to apprentice mm-hmm. and it was like where um it went from duke uh, yoda to dooku to qui-gon to obi-wan to anakin and then to ahsoka and then luke got his hands on it and they all, all make their notes in the journal this is a really cool concept and this seems to be in the same vein of that except it's just all going to be luke um recording his thoughts on the history of the jedi so just a really great concept and you know it's just going to be cool to read about. I've hopefully there is some new stuff thrown in there. Maybe it's not being shown yet in these preview images just to, you know, save as a surprise. And they're just showing the stuff that we already know. So hopefully that'll be the case. I'm not expecting too much, but just a little nuggets here and there are some new details about the Jedi and the force that maybe we didn't know before. So yeah, I'm definitely excited about this one, but um, I didn't know it was only going to be 32 pages until you said that. So that is a little disappointing, but Still, I think the content that we will get in it's going to be uh, pretty cool to read through. So, yeah, it comes out in November, November 19th. So I'll definitely be getting it on that date. Yeah, this is a, a book that I had no idea was coming out. And then uh, my good friend here, uh, Tim's like, did you hear about the book? I was like, nope. And then I was like, I was kind of excited about it. And then I read about it and was like, nope, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to be good. I listen. The artwork does look cool. I'm with. I'm more with Kyle on this one. I it feels. It feels like they're not going to reveal that much, and. You know, until, to be honest, until they they really start branching out a little bit, I I, I just I don't I don't want to get involved with this. There has to be some more little tidbits. That being said, I'm still going to get that character encyclopedia thing that's coming out or a guide to characters, whatever it is in a, in a couple months where I'm going to ask for it for my birthday or something like that. Cause it looks awesome. Uh, it's the, the one with Darth Vader on it and it has like a, kind of a timeline of all different characters and a little overview of like their history of star Wars. Like that stuff is interesting to me. And I just, I, I eat that stuff up, but for something like this, I don't know. I just feel like it's very much like, I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it just doesn't really interest me. And I, unless it was going to reveal some more inside information, that would be cool. But yeah, it wasn't. Unfortunately, it's just not. That's not really my thing. So yeah, I don't think that was ever its intention. Too. I mean, maybe we yeah, as yeah. fans, of course, would love to have that. But it's just trying to tell these stories that we know from a different perspective, which is going to be from Luke's perspective. So I think that's the big draw from it. Of course, probably for most diehard Star Wars fans just to see what Luke thought of the Clone Wars and these old Jedis that we know from the prequel era and maybe even some, you know, further expansions. I know it goes into the stuff in the sequel trilogy, so maybe we'll hear, get more of Luke's insight to what he feels about the events that happened during that time while he was on Octo and the, all the First Order was rising up and everything that transpired while he was away. So that should be interesting too. But 
the new stuff I don't think is its main intention. I think if we get anything, it would just be a nice little extra feature to the book. Um, or, you know, the main focus is just to get Luke's perspective on certain things with the Jedi and the Force. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And it's one of those things where, like, it's definitely a kid's book, too. Um, and it's one of those things, like, it's got enough cool stuff to, like, get the older fans interested. And we all look at that artwork and go, ooh, I want to get that. But then you read it and it's like, eh, this isn't really targeted at our demographic. Um, but that's okay. I mean, as older fans, like, you got to remember, like that a lot of I mean there was even an interview going around recently that people were sharing um an old interview where George Lucas said like that he made these movies for 12 year olds um mm -hmm. and so if that's who they're making the books for that's totally okay um well I'll let you guys know how it is <laughs> yeah hey if it does turn out that there's uh you know more in-depth stuff in there than we got right off the bat then uh you know yeah definitely let us know but yeah, that's pretty much it for, uh, you know, all the publishing news and stuff. Um, and again, not really any movie or gaming or any of that kind of stuff going on uh, at the moment. The one other announcement that came out recently is that uh, we have a release date for season two of, or sorry, season one of Star Wars Resistance on DVD. Um, and that's coming out on August 20th. Um, and as far as we know, it's just on DVD, not Blu-ray. Um, and no word on a digital release, although I would assume that once Disney Plus is out, this will probably be on there. Um, but Which is pretty going to be how I'm going to have to watch it again because, yeah, the fact that it's not coming out on Blu-ray is pretty disappointing. And I don't think I'm going to be getting a, the DVD version of it when there's HD quality versions of Star Wars Resistance out there, whether it was a broadcast or to get it digitally. So, yeah, <laughs> I was disappointed to find out it's not coming out on Blu-ray. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's kind of mind-boggling, but it makes you wonder if that's just, like, if that's the amount of faith that they have in the show. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you guys have heard us talk about Resistance, and um, I mean, I think it's safe to say we all enjoyed it, but we're definitely not into it on the same, you know, not as invested in it as we were with Clone Wars or with Rebels. Um, so I haven't been following it super closely as far as seeing, like, how it's doing in the ratings or anything like that. Um, I know it did get uh, nominated for an Emmy Award for Outstanding Children's Program, so I hope they win that. Um, but it's like, you know, has it been underperforming? Is it one of those things where, like, they just don't want to put in the mo like put the money into it to manufacture and ship Blu-ray discs and they just want to do DVD because it's cheaper? Um, or they figure – I mean, maybe it's a thing, too, that because it's targeted at a younger audience, they figure only kids are going to buy it and they're not going to know the difference between, you know, DVD and Blu-ray quality. Like – I honestly can't tell you if I noticed that when I was seven because we didn't have Blu-ray discs back then. But um... yeah, it's, it just bugs me when they made it in HD quality and they're not putting it out in HD quality. That just hurts yeah. me. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'll, I'll be completely the... honest. If they put it out on Blu-ray, I probably wouldn't buy it anyways. I'm probably just going to wait to you know see if they put it on streaming. Um, and Resistance is one of those shows. Again, I'm not trying to knock it or anything, but like... I would rather rewatch Clone Wars or Rebels. Um, you know, Resistance, I enjoyed watching it the first time through, but there's not really any episodes that I'm itching to go back and rewatch again because I just couldn't get enough of it. Yeah, but I agree with that. But at the same time, I'd like to own all the Star Wars TV shows that they put out in the best quality that they're meant to be watched in. So, yeah. No, and I agree. Aspect. I think it still would be nice to have that option out there. 
Yeah, so but it's still going to be packed with the same special features that you would get on a Blu-ray, except it's going to be on non-HD quality. So <laughs> there's that. I was surprised that this was going on DVD only. And this is a trend that is actually happening more than we realize. Um, I'm not sure if you knew this, Tim, but there was, brace yourself, there was a Batman and Scooby-Doo movie that came out uh, d- basically digital. It's or yeah. a, a direct direct DVD or or yeah, I gave it away here. I guess a direct to um to media home media uh movie about Batman meeting Scooby Doo. Um, was you know obviously these movies used used to have ties to like different studios or different not studios but um different channels like maybe Cartoon Network or you know kind of like hey movie of the week kind of a thing. But with the way obviously you know with Warner Brothers and their DC direct market they've been doing they've been doing you know pretty well because they keep putting out what five or 15 different DC movies a, a year uh, <laughs> it's just uh, three sometimes four but it feels like there's like five or ten every month but anyway um, wish, but... <laughs> right 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 no which by the way I need to I need to hit you up about your hush thoughts but that's a different podcast uh so but that came out the Scooby-Doo Batman team up movie which is really funny to say that came out <laughs> straight to DVD and, you know, obviously, there's a huge Scooby-Doo market in Hump's Kid. There's a huge Batman <laughs> market. And, obviously, as big as Star Wars, or maybe, you know, very big. And that came out the DVD. And people were complaining about the same thing. And they were talking about, you know, this is aimed at a younger audience. And, like you said, Tim, I think it was you, Tim, that or maybe won't. this is for, for kids. And kids are probably not going to care about DVD quality. Yeah, that was my apologies. Well, and and but what I mean by that, not only but it's not only I think quality, but the pay too. Like if you put it on Blu-ray, that's like a lot more money. A DVD is like pretty cheap for a film. Now, mind you, this uh, Resistance is all 22 episodes, all of that for 20 bucks, 19.99. Like so. That's all. That's actually a lot for only twenty bucks. And you know, if you want, you know, if you want to have them be enthralled by something that's super cheap and will keep them busy for a while, twenty bucks is not bad. And so, I guess I just kind of, I just look at it and think of a couple things. One, I I just don't think the ratings and and the the attention that this show had warranted warranted enough of a Blu-ray release. Because I think if it if it had more traction with the main with with mainstream Star Wars fans and we were all talking about it like we were Rebels and and not like Rebels was a giant hit but it was a somewhat of you know it, it was it was pretty successful I mean it lasted multiple seasons and and whatnot but uh, I I just think Resistance didn't wow people and I think that I, I don't know how it, again I'm I, I'm not a ratings person but evidently or from the evidence that it's given me. I think that it's not doing probably super great. It's still continuing because of Star Wars, and they're trying it's to build a the weird brand. time too. I mean, exactly, that's true. Yeah, it was but, on like ten o'clock at night or something like that. Yep. But I think, but again, I think it's because, I, to be honest, I think they're not really concerned about ratings right now. I think they're more like they want to keep content coming for kids for Star Wars, and I think that they also want more content for their eventual. Disney Plus series or uh, Disney Plus uh, platform, and to have something that's maybe binge worthy for for families and you know for Star Wars and whatnot. And 
I'm not saying it's the only reason. I mean, it's obviously there. I think they're trying to connect to a, a younger audience because, as we know, or as we were, might have read in a little bit, might be an issue. So what's interesting is I think that this is some is more Disney trying to appeal to a younger audience at all costs. And also wondering, did the Star Wars Lego movies or shows those come out in Blu-ray at all, or was, are those all in DVD? Oh, I have I, no idea. I know the early ones did. But so like the Freemaker Adventures, I'm not yes. sure on. But some of like the very first Lego specials, those came out on Blu-ray, which I have. But, but right, I'm not right, sure about right, the right. I did too. But with the Freemaker Adventures, I think I don't think they came out on Blu-ray. I could be wrong. I, I could be wrong. Um, but I, I think that Resistance is the DVD release is mainly aimed at a younger audience, obviously. But it's 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 being totally aimed at families buy this it's only 20 bucks and you get the whole seat you know you can just like whatever yeah. so well and the other thing too is especially if this is gonna be coming out on disney plus which i don't know if that's been confirmed or not but also i think you can still watch the entire season on the disney now app um and again i don't follow the marketing or the sales numbers or anything but maybe you know, overall, like Blu-ray and DVD sales of TV shows are down since people just binge watch them online now. Yeah, no, that could be a exactly. factor as well. I, I honestly think that there's, there, I think this could be a test a little bit for Disney to be like, okay, let's see. You know, I, I think, I, I think ultimately, they just didn't want to put the money into a Blu-ray release. And they know Star Wars fans like me. Like I'm gonna buy it from my Canon shelf specifically. Otherwise, I'm like Tim. I wouldn't buy it. I'd be just waiting for the eventual Blu-ray release if there ever if it ever comes. But because I do have my Canon shelf and I'm I'm, I'm doing everything chronologically and and that has a spine, uh, I'm, I'm I'm buying it. So in a couple of weeks I'll own it and I I will dive through the special through the special features. I'm excited about it. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel that this is. Potentially a test too, but I also think if, if the show was more popular, there's no way that it doesn't get a Blu-ray release, in my opinion. You know, yeah, and, but, and I think, mm-hmm. I think too that even Lucasfilm and Disney kind of realize this isn't on the same level as Rebels yes. and Clone yep. Wars because, yeah. I mean, if you just talk about the finales for Rebels, even those were events for Star Wars fans. I mean, there was some big, heavy stuff that went down on pretty much every finale of the four seasons that it had and for those not to be released on blu-ray just would have been a shame (laughs) just you know a downright injustice if that was the case and i think they realize that that these are they're almost cinematic quality and how they were made and how the stories are being told that they have to be released in the best quality possible and you know just like what we talked about resistance isn't quite on that same level and i think they realize that too it probably went into the reasoning to just put it out on dvd so I don't know, it just makes me think that they kind of realize what we do just as fans of knowing that Resistance isn't quite the same thing as Clone Wars and Rebels are when it comes to animated Star Wars. Yeah. And you know what? Speaking of which, I just wanted to bring this up real quick. Um, Because obviously last year, uh, as a wedding present, you guys bought me all four seasons of Star Wars Rebels on Blu-ray, which I then slowly started a year-long rewatch, which I just finished. Uh, mm-hmm. Nice. Like, last week or so. I told, by the, I got to season four, and I just binge-watched that thing in, you know, a couple of days. Because I had been really itching to get back to season four. I hadn't watched it since it aired, but I was forcing myself yeah. to watch it in chronological order. Um, 
And that's Star Wars Rebels is a really good series. Like maybe yeah. better than I gave it credit for the first time around. I mean, to the point where you, and you guys know how much I love Clone Wars. Um, and still, Clone Wars is easily far and away my number one favorite Star Wars series. Um, but some people say that they like resist or like Rebels better, that that's their favorite. And some people say that Resistance is their favorite too. Um, but I know a lot of people who say that, you know, they like Rebels better than Clone Wars. And I that used to make me like almost offended. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I mean, Rebels has some good moments. Don't get me wrong. But Clone Wars, oh, uh-huh. um, but on <laughs> second watch, I'm like, you know what? I can respect that opinion. I still like Clone Wars more, but Rebels really does have some, you know, some really fantastic moments. But, I mean, it's an altogether different show. Um, and yeah. uh, But, I mean, one thing that I like about it is the way that it tells a continuous story week to week, especially in, like, seasons three and four, where there's really... I feel like from the like the kind of the second half of season three as they're like preparing for their attack on Lothal at the end and then like pretty much all of season four, it's like there's one driving storyline the entire time. And with Clone Wars, I mean, you'd get that for four episodes at a time and all the different arcs and stuff. And so um, I don't know. I like that it's just a different style of storytelling and that, um, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff in there that they did. So, uh, yeah, just, you know, wanted to share my uh, my reflections on uh you know after completing rebels a second time um but uh yeah so like we said uh resistance will be out uh august wait did we say august yeah august 20th on uh dvd if you guys want to check that out um and then last thing that we're going to wrap up with paul i'll let you go ahead and introduce this because this was your idea to talk about uh this well thank you bloomberg article well this bloomberg article came out this week and i it kind of um came out to a little bit of controversy with Star Wars fans and, and it felt like, you know, this is the few people that I follow and and kind of interact with here or there on Twitter. People kind of were talking about how this article is either 100% truth or really truthful or is complete bull crap and is blah, 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 blah. And, and for, for those who don't know, uh, Bloomberg is this business website with stocks and, you know, and all that boring stuff that I don't really care about. But What's interesting is the article is about um, what Bob Iger was talking about on his conference call, his, his, uh, his quarterly conference call with the investors, uh, stockholders and whatnot. And he had said that there – again, I, I don't have the exact article in front of me. I apologize. But basically admitted that maybe they they essentially that, – that he basically admitted that there was a low attendance at Disneyland right now. And that Galaxy's Edge has not been the 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 scene stealer or the uh, the main this giant attraction that they were anticipating. And he was blaming a lot of that on the fact that they really controlled and and try to like keep the crowds to a real minimum at first to make it seem like there's a big demand, and that maybe that had shied so many people away that they no one's has come to it because they did too good of a job keeping people from coming in to try to manage it. And so uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, but basically the article also goes in a little bit. Uh, it talks about how maybe that the younger audience, the next generation of, of, of kids out there don't really like Star Wars as much as their parents. And that might be a bigger issue than just, you know, the fact that they were too good about, keeping crowds to a minimal size at galaxy's edge opening 
And I, I now you could ter- interpret this article a couple different ways, and um, three, in my opinion, one is the again, if you read the article, I don't want to read it verbatim, and we'll we'll get into some of the details. So you know, if you don't want it, we'll obviously cover most of it. But I, I advise reading it first before you get into what we think of of either way. But basically, you read this article. There's a couple different ways you can look at it. Honestly, is one could be. It's doom and gloom that Star Wars is doomed. You could look at it as that there's, you know, potentially there's some interesting things that are, are happening that Star Wars may not be have used to. But um, it's but also you can look at it as Star Wars is going strong. It's not completely dead, but, you know, it's it's whatever. And but Star Wars has got a lot going on right now. And there's plenty to look at the horizon. And this article just kind of you can read it a lot of different ways in my opinion. And I, I just, I, for me, when I read this article, I only, I only saw one thing. And that was that things aren't rosy, rosy, rosy for star Wars, but things aren't dead in star Wars either. And that's kind of my main thing coming from reading this article. And I think with the galaxy's edge thing, there's a couple different things that I, I've heard and I've, you know, in videos I've watched and, and, you know, there's, there's this one guy, uh, he, uh, three buck theater. I, I don't want, I don't subscribe to him completely. Uh, he lives in my state apparently, which I thought was interesting. Um, but, uh, he's, he's all right, but he apparently, I, I thought he had an interesting thing. He was at comic con and he was in line with someone who worked at Disneyland. And I think at worked at galaxy's edge and he was talking to her and I'm paraphrasing here, but, he had talked to her say, I heard, you know, this is before this article came out and a lot when the article before this article, people, there's all these anti Disney star Wars people saying like, galaxy judge a failure and blah, blah, this and blah, blah, that. And people were saying it's not that busy. And then and there's all these other people saying it is too busy. How dare you say that ball? You're liars. You're all, you know, it was ridiculous. And it was hard to really get an idea of like who, what side was being truthful, you know? And I always believe that the truth kind of always lies in the middle. And, you know, but I didn't, but I wasn't going to say anything publicly because I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm not there all the time. So, and I don't, you know, I'm just kind of doing my own thing and I'm watching this video and he had, he said he had gone to galaxy's edge, I think, or something like that. And he said it was great and it wasn't as packed as he thought it was. He did admit that, but he said he loved it or something like that. But the lady he was talking to who worked at Disneyland, he was asking her like, what do you think is the problem? And he said, it's our, it's, it seems like low attendance. And she made a great point and it actually backs up a little bit of what this article talks about that you can kind of go a little bit doom and gloom on. And I, I want to touch on this. This is, I think the most interesting aspect of the whole article is she said that there's not a lot to do at galaxy's edge besides spend money. Hmm. And I, I thought that was very fascinating that she said that. And I kind of sat back and was like, huh? And he admitted the same thing. He goes, and I, I again, I'm just paraphrasing. It's it's a video that came out right around obviously Comic Con, but um, he had said that when I was there, she was right. There was just tons of stuff to do, but it cost like you had to spend money to do everything. There's only one ride, Millennium Falcon, and the Rise of Resistance ride's not operational yet. And and he kind of went in about it, and that was her main criticism was that. Right now, when kids go there, there's just not a lot to do. And I think that pretty much nails everything. And in the article, it again, it talks about how kids are having a hard time connecting to Star Wars right now. So I think when you think about it, it, it or they say that 
it's their parents thing more than their thing. And it really got my wheels turning in my head. And I started thinking to myself, this is such a fascinating thing because there's some truth to this. I think, I don't think it's 100% gospel truth. I don't think it's the star Wars is doomed or stars is in trouble, but I think there is some truth here. And I think that you hear it from the, you know, straight from the horse's mouth of, of, of a Disneyland employee or supposed Disneyland employee, of course. I, I, maybe it's not. Maybe he's making it up all completely. But what 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 that person's saying, if that is what they said, makes a lot of sense. Because think about it. Galaxy's Edge is only one ride. It's a beautiful looking park if you love Star Wars. But if you're a kid and you've only seen a few of the movies and your mom and dad are freaking out about Star Wars... And you walk in, and all you can really do is look at stuff that you, you can't really buy because it's all super expensive. And you go on one ride, and it's and it's fun, but it's like, hey, you went on one ride, and you, you've done everything at Galaxy's Edge. You walk around, take a few pictures, and you're done. Now, someone like me who comes out to Galaxy's Edge next celebration where everyone else will be, and it'll be jam-packed, and I'll hate everyone because I'll be crowded. <laughs> um, you know, I'll be, you know, be freaking out looking at everything and, like, wanting to spend, like, thousands of dollars there but that's not the case maybe for kids and you know what if you're just like a casual star wars fan you're like yeah we can go there cool we'll walk around for you know 20 minutes i'm done again i don't know how big galaxy's edge is i really don't i, I want to make that very clear i've never been there i can't wait to get there i'm excited to get on the, Fal the falcon ride and rise of resistance and spend lots of money and hang out with a hammerhead I mean, I, this is, or AKA Thorin, whatever you want to say. I'm excited for this. But the question is, is Star Wars, is it connecting to a younger audience enough? That to me, I mean, that could be a whole different podcast. But it touches on something I think that we really have to think about real, realistically. And I think about not just that for, you know, if it's connecting to a younger audience, but even to a mainstream audience that's more of a casual Star Wars fan to want to walk into Galaxy's Edge and think about like what what is it so what entices you to go there? If there's only a couple of attractions and there's only stuff to buy, like yeah, build a lightsaber for like three hundred bucks or wherever how much it is. That's a lot of money. And, and you know, I know it's I know it's around two hundred. I'm, I'm just kind of being you know. Yeah, well, no, I mean, uh, that's still a fair point because that's still a lot of money. Yeah, and so you know all the, you know, the buy a drink there. And, uh, I mean, I mean, I can't wait to get my picture taken in front of the Falcon. It's going to be exciting. I, I mean, if, if you're a hardcore Star Wars fan, you're going to be fine. But for a mainstream person, you're going to walk in, you know, again, you wait, wait and get in line, you get on the Falcon. You're, you're like, Oh, that was really cool. And you get out and you walk around a little bit. You're done. I mean, there's not exactly ex exhibits there. It sounds like, I mean, there may be a little bit, again, I, I don't know. I, I'm actually staying away from spoilers, but all that I've, the general stuff that I'm reading, it all kind of seems the same. Yeah, it's cool, but it's not super enticing. And if you're not, all you do is spend money there, and the kids don't really have anything to interact with besides a few. Again, and this is this is the this is the thing that's going to be controversial that I think some listeners may not like it. But if you walk in and it's only uh, sequel trilogy era, you know, people walking around like stormtroopers and whatnot. I just I don't know if those things are connecting to not only kids but to a general audience as much as other people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, stormtroopers are iconic, but it's the original stormtroopers that are iconic, not the first order of stormtroopers. And I don't know. I, I, there's a lot to chew on here, but 
I don't think I don't think Star Wars is hopeless either. I I, I don't I I definitely think the sequel trilogy has not been the giant runaway. I think it's been a financial success. I think from a box office standpoint, don't get me wrong. That is, I mean, well, in the article itself, it says the last Jedi underperformed, which I don't really think so. I I will go on record and say that. Mm, but yeah, I don't, I don't think, think so either. But I don't think it's. I don't think well, it, has it the says last at least what I'm seeing right here. It says the last Jedi uh, was profitable, but fell shy of its predecessor's performance. But okay, I, yeah, I think that like, just to be expected. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. I don't right. think any of us were expecting it to make more money than the Force Awakens. No, but I, I don't think it's necessarily had the staying power like the original. Obviously, like the original trilogy did, and the prequels had a similar problem too, right? But you know, one thing that always stuck out with me, Kyle, because you're a little you're a little younger than we are. Um, I'm the oldest. I'm the old man here. Uh, you talked about you loved little Anakin. I think we were on our commentary, and you talked about how you loved identifying with Anakin and being relate to him. And you, oh yeah, that was your and that was your gateway, you know, drug essentially was being a connect with Anakin. I've, I'm again, I'm well, I don't know if I would say that was my gateway drug because I was introduced to the original trilogy first, so I was already a huge Luke Skywalker fan. Like okay. I didn't, I, I didn't need a gateway drug with Anakin, but you know, for to have a series that I already loved and then to have a protagonist who is a kid my age, like that was just icing on the cake. Right. So I think in, in, in everyone criticized George Lucas for making things really, really aimed at kids. And now like it, it could be, again, I'm just, I'm not saying it's like the sequel trilogy is, is completely doomed and no kids like it. I'm not saying that at all either. It hasn't been the runaway success with kids. Maybe as we thought, and I think maybe Lucas might have had maybe something to the prequel trilogy, aiming it as you know a younger audience initially at first. Now, granted, he kind of went away with that as the movies went on, so maybe I, my point doesn't make sense. But it seems like it just seems like maybe there might be something going on there. There might there might be some truth, and I think this article is worth looking at in in a sense to where I think it's more in the middle than an extreme on either side. But I definitely think there's some truth here. I'm very, very interested in what you guys think of this. Yeah, I mean, there's kind of a lot to unpack there because on the one hand, I mean, Galaxy's Edge, if it's underperforming, like that's kind of a standalone issue in its own right, but then also ties into this bigger issue. And I've heard some rumblings about this recently, too, about people saying that there's just, you know, there's a lack of Star Wars merchandise out there or people aren't buying Star Wars merchandise as much as they used to, which I can kind of attest to because I go looking for, uh, like, every once in a while while I'm at Target, I'll still just stop by the toy aisle and see if they've got any cool new Black Series figures, and it's still, like, Han and Lando and Chewie from Solo or, you know, Finn and, you know, Rose or something like that from The Last Jedi. And I'm like, Constable Zuvio still hanging on the shelf. I haven't <laughs> seen any Constable Zuvios, but, uh, you know, part of me is like, man, are they still just restocking these same old figures and they're just not getting any new ones in? And then I'm like, well, maybe these are the same ones that have been hanging here forever and like nobody's buying them. And that's why they haven't gotten in, you know, General Grievous or Mace Windu or any of these ones that, you know, I'm looking to see if they have. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. And I, I haven't really dug into the numbers or, you know, again, I'm not a huge collector, so I haven't like really gone out hunting for stuff. So I don't know if it really is hard to find stuff out there right now. 
Um, but I've heard some of those kind of things too. And so there could be kind of a correlation with that with Galaxy's Edge as far as, I mean, obviously the interest in Star Wars is still very strong. Like we know it has a very dedicated fan base and there's a lot of us that are active on the internet and excited for the new movie and all that kind of stuff. But as far as general appeal, um, and people, you know, wanting to go to the thing at Disneyland and buy the action figures and the lunch boxes and all, you know, notebooks and stuff as school's getting ready to get back in session and stuff. Um, I don't know. Like, it's it's hard to tell from my vantage point, um, you know, because I'm not a kid anymore, but I don't have kids yet. Um, so I don't know how good of a job they're doing with connecting with that younger demographic. It's hard for me to kind of gauge that. Um but as far as the Galaxy's Edge issue, I mean, you brought up a very interesting point, Paul, that, you know, now that you think about it, like, we keep talking about Galaxy's Edge, and we're like, man, we're going to have to save up so much money because there's so much stuff that we want to buy there. But if you're a family on vacation at Disneyland and, you know, it, like, you, you spent your whole vacation budget on airfare and, you know, meals and hotels and rental car and all that stuff for, like, four to six people or however big your family is, and then you get, the in the, get in the park. Price to You're, get in the park, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> they also raised the price, the the prices on the park tickets. Like, you're not going to buy each of your kids a $200 lightsaber. Um, and you're so, going to buy yourself a $200 lightsaber. That's what you're going to do. Yeah, well, that's what I'm going to do, but, you know. Well, I know. Um, right, yeah. But, so, yeah, and, I it. mean, obviously yeah. a lot of the, the impressions that I've seen of Galaxy's Edge have been from, like, the big hardcore Star Wars fans, people that either I follow on Twitter or on YouTube or whatever that have gone and really wanted to immerse themselves in it because they're huge Star Wars fans. Um, and I think there's a lot there that just casual fans can enjoy too. But it is a thing where, especially because the the Rise of the Resistance ride isn't open yet. And I don't know if it's just that ride that's not open or if there's like a whole section of the park that still has yet to be open that's going to have more scenery and stuff like that. I don't know exactly how it's all laid out right now as opposed to what it's going to be like when it's all finished um but you know maybe like it's one of those things where if you're not going to stay and go to the cantina or you're not going to build a lightsaber or you're not interested in you know looking around at all these different shops and stuff if you're just window shopping or if you just want to look at the scenery and kind of be engrossed in the star wars atmosphere you could spend an hour there and then leave and feel like you've seen everything um and I mean, I think from all the impressions that I heard from people who said that, you know, they went during that first uh, the times when it w where they had like this, the restricted time blocks and everybody could only stay there for four hours. They were like, yeah, that was a good amount of time to do everything. And these were the people that wanted to do everything. Um, so I don't know, maybe as far as I mean, they've made such a big deal out of this. It seems like the kind of thing where you could plan a whole trip to Disneyland just to go to Galaxy's Edge. And maybe it's just not as much content as people were thinking it was going to be but at the same time maybe they also hyped it up so much and all the people that have been have loved it so much and you know are talking about how amazing it is and they're like oh when this opens up the lines are going to be huge so maybe people have just stayed away um and i did see i mean i've seen videos and pictures and stuff of like the first day that it opened and you know yeah there was a massive throng of people waiting to get in um, but yeah, in general, I mean, there's people like, heck, I would have loved to go opening weekend, but I mean, we've talked about this before, just how with, you know, there's a ton of other Star Wars fans that want to go too. So maybe I should just wait till a time that's not going to be as crowded. So I'm sure there's a lot of people like that too, that are kind of just biding their time, um, anticipating that it was going to be more crowded than maybe it actually is. 
Um, so I think it's a it's a lot of little factors. And obviously, it's not like this is bombing or it's completely unsuccessful. Um, I mean, again, I have no idea what the numbers are. I don't know if Disney has made money on this or lost money on it or exactly what's going on there. But um, I, I think it's definitely not been like a huge flop or anything like that because, um, again, by all accounts from people I've heard who have gone – um, they've loved it and it's been a huge success and they've seen, I mean, anytime I see pictures or videos, it seems like there's a lot of people there, um, and that people are having a good time. Um, so, I mean, hopefully it's something that with time, I mean, more people will get into. And even if it doesn't, you know, have huge numbers or, or blow the roof off the place or have lines out the door or whatever, hopefully it's something that people just will continue to kind of steadily stream into and, and go for a long time, but I mean, maybe that is something that they'll want to consider too. That maybe they should just add more activities or uh, you know, free stuff, stuff where you don't just have to buy things. Because yeah, right now it's just those two rides and a whole bunch of shops and stuff, which is kind of a shame because I think that's one of the downsides of keeping it in universe. I mean, I love that it's so immersive, but then you had, uh, and I don't even know if it's still open, but you know, the Star Wars launch bay where they had. Um, all like the co- the props and the costumes and the the vi- behind the scenes videos and all that kind of stuff. That was like a separate thing that was over by Star Tours. That's the kind of thing that would be awesome in Galaxy's Edge. Except you can't go to a place that's supposed to be within the Star Wars universe and see like behind the scenes stuff on Star Wars because that wouldn't fit. Um, but that kind of stuff would kind of help flesh it out and and help there be like more activities to do. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's an interesting position that they're in. Um, but like you said, Paul, I'm not I'm not really worried about it. I think even if it's not as successful as they thought it was going to be, it's not like a doom and gloom scenario. It's not like, oh, my gosh, they wasted all this money and it's failing or, oh, nobody likes Star Wars anymore. I mean, clearly tons of people like Star Wars. We love Star Wars. All of you guys listening to this podcast, obviously, you're listening because you love Star Wars. Um and there's tons of people out there that are still going to watch the movies and and love the stories and go visit Galaxy's Edge and all that kind of stuff. So if anybody tells you Star Wars is dead, uh, you know, ignore it because it obviously is not. Um, it's funny. I, I wish I could give credit to the person who said this because I forget who it was. But I saw somebody on Twitter just like the other day posted. They said, man, I wish Star Wars would hurry up and die because at least then I wouldn't have to read all the time about how Star Wars is dying. Um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like this seems to be like it's a constant thing. I feel like this is something that we've talked about a few times, even just since Disney took over. Like, is the interest still there and is it still making money? And, you know, even if it's maybe not living up to huge lofty standards or maybe if like a certain generation of kids aren't as into as into it as much as uh, as other people are. Um I mean, Star Wars is still very much going strong. We'll kind of have to see how well they stick the landing with the Rise of Skywalker to see what kind of staying power it has with uh, the Disney Plus shows and the the next movies that are going to come afterwards. And, you know, hopefully um, this ends. I Like, I hope that the Rise of Skywalker has a much more uh, positive reception than The Last Jedi did because that interest and discussion and people talking about the movie and talking about the stuff that they like and you know not being burned out or protesting it or anything like that is gonna give it a much stronger boost through those three years of waiting for the next movie um because gosh man if people don't like the rise of skywalker 
we're going to have to deal with three years of rumors about is the next movie still happening and is Disney going to cancel it and, you know, are Benioff and Weiss going to screw it up like they did Game of Thrones? And And I'm just not looking forward to that. So hopefully, hopefully J.J. Abrams hits it out of the park with The Rise of Skywalker and we all have three years of excited speculation uh, to talk about, you know, waiting for the next movies as opposed to um, dealing with a bunch of negativity and, and whiny people. But... Um, I don't know. We'll see. Always in motion is the future. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That's my thoughts on it. Yeah, for me, I mean, you guys said it the best. Where you know, it's in, it's in the middle. It's the bendu where <laughs> yeah, these reactions are so over the top as far as the doom and gloom as Star Wars is dead. It's those stuff is just ridiculous, and it roll my eyes every time I see a tweet or a YouTube video about it. That's the one thing I can't like search for like a cool star wars video on youtube just to learn about you know some history or you know discussion about a certain topic without coming across these star wars is dead or disney's killed the franchise videos i just hate seeing that i don't even bother (laughs) it's such something that annoys me to no end but at the same time too it it is it's not all you know sunshines and rainbows is everything's perfect (laughs) in the star wars universe right now as far as you know its perception or whatnot but my thing is this star wars is a timeless story that is generational it's proven that already every generation has there's has its fans that love this saga i mean it's in for good reason we all know why (laughs) star wars is so great with its story its characters its themes its costumes its ships there's so much love about star wars that it's timeless but here's the thing in my opinion when the original trilogy came out i mean that was it i mean that was the main thing in pop culture it was just there was nothing like it it was the coolest thing out there couldn't be replicated and just star wars was ruling everything in that time and of course it went through the dark times and then when the prequels came out obviously the excitement was through the roof with episode one but i think the thing is with both the prequels and now especially with the sequels star wars has a lot more competition going against it I mean, in the prequels, the first thing that comes to my mind in that era was uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, where that kind of overshadowed it. Like, where once those came out, that was the main thing in pop culture was the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and that kind of overshadowed, uh, especially episodes two and three, because it was kind of around those times when, uh, in the early 2000s, when the Lord of the Rings trilogy came out. So that was kind of its competition in that in those days. And now with the sequel trilogy, I think it's the comic book movies, and in particular mm-hmm. uh, the MCU. And you know Disney's fortunate enough to own both, so <laughs> they're reaping the benefits of the po- widely successful MCU movies. So, and I think that is the main thing. That's as far as when you're talking about a younger generation, that's this generation's you know main thing that they're drawn to is you know these comic book movies and you know movies like the avengers and captain america guardians of the galaxy it's proving that this is that generation star wars for lack of a better word to describe something that's just speaking to a generation here but even though we do we got new star wars movies that has its like i said those are going to speak to a new generation of fans too that will always be the case it's i just don't think it's as exclusive as it used to be you know during you know the original trilogy days there's a lot more options for young fans just young kids in general to you know get their entertainment from and right now i think the most popular is you know the marvel movies as it's speaking to or shown and proven by with its box office number just with the last two avengers films and just 
you can just kind of tell when something's in pop culture that you see everywhere people are talking about. And you see that more with uh, the Marvel movies than you do with Star Wars right now. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to love both. Star Wars is my, you know, number one franchise. Yeah. That will always be my favorite. But when you got something as great as comic book movies and especially with the MCU films we're getting, being as great as they are and being as successful, I mean, that's just a win-win for fans. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate that it's come to the point where these some fans or just people in general are, you know, has to be one or the other. If Star Wars isn't the top dog like it used to be, that means it's failing or it's unsuccessful. That's just not the case. It's just, you know, like I said, it has more competition now to, you know, just to fight with, for lack of a better word, to, for the attention of younger fans and kids nowadays. So, and it does have its own, you know, I don't want it to make it sound like, again, like the doom and gloom where none of this generation of kids are liking Star Wars. It's only the MCU movies now. That's not the case. I mean, Star Wars has its, the sequel trilogy has, I think, proven to have its own young fan base as well. We see that with kids in costumes or whatnot and wearing t-shirts even though maybe it might be as frequent as we used to see back in the day but it's still there and to say that it's non-existent i think is just really foolish to say so again it's just something where you can't go to the extreme one way or the other it just it is somewhere that's in the middle where it's it's not as you know the top dog where it used to be where it was only star wars and nothing else when you got all this other stuff that's out there that's really good as well um vying for the attention and the money <laughs> as well from you know fans kids and families just people in general so yeah i mean it's something where i try not to get too concerned about because you know as long as i'm getting my enjoyment out of the franchise that's i guess really what's most important is not speaking just for myself, but just fans in general, if as long as you're able to get that enjoyment that you come to expect from Star Wars, that's all that matters, regardless of what other people think about it or if it's uh, theme parks not as crowded as maybe as it should be or whatnot. As long as you're enjoying it and when you get to that theme park and you have the time of your life and it's the best experience you could have asked for a Star Wars fan, who cares if it's not doing as great as maybe it should be doing? I mean, it's not like Disney's going to close it, I don't think, <laughs> where they spent all this money, got all this land, and then all of a sudden it's not maybe as crowded as it should be. They're going to close it. I mean, that's not going to happen. So no, of course it's not. almost to a point where it's not even worth worrying about that. I mean, you just got to hope you have a great time when you do go, which I'm sure is going to be the case when I go and when we all get to go during celebration and be able to experience that together. It's going to be amazing. I have no doubt about that. So um, as long as we get to have that Star Wars experience, that's all that really matters. And as regards to the content that comes out, as long as you get the enjoyment that you want from it, that's all that matters. And if you don't, I mean, it's not the end of the world also. I mean, that's why, it, I, again, it, kind of frustrating to see when one there's one aspect of Star Wars that maybe you don't like, whether it's The Last Jedi, and that kills the franchise for you. You say those, it, that ruined the saga for me. I just can't wrap my head around that type of thinking <laughs> something that you love so much one movie can ruin everything that came before it i just i never can understand that type of thinking you may not like it which is totally understandable but to have it ruin something that you've loved for years i just can never understand that type of thinking so but yeah so that's just my two cents on this whole thing i don't think it's anything to be overly concerned about you just got to come to the realization that 
you know, there's more out there now where Star Wars isn't going to be, you know, the main thing that everyone's drawn to, at least, you know, when you're, when we're talking specifically about bringing in a new generation and young fans, there's just more out there for them to, you know, uh, have their imaginations be, you know, drawn to other things. And that's, that's out there, which is also great. So there's enough room for everything to exist as well. So it doesn't have to be just one or the other there. You can be fans of multiple things, which, you know, we have proven definitely <laughs> with some of the stuff that we all enjoy and even do other podcasts about other than star Wars. So there's plenty of room for, you know, everyone to have fun in the playground, <laughs> so to speak, and to enjoy all this great stuff that we're getting. So, yeah, it was an interesting topic and discussion from that, article and specifically that bloomberg one i think it kind of leads more toward the doom and gloom scenario than maybe is necessary but that's why it's fun to have this these discussions to really kind of get our perspectives on how we think it is and i think what the actuality of star wars fandom and its appeal to the next generation actually is so good call on bringing it up paul made for interesting topics to be discussed on this one yeah yeah and uh, i don't and I want people to know that I didn't want to bring it up to like cause drama, but it's just something to think about. And I, I just, I thought it was interesting and I, I, I don't want to act like star Wars is, is dead. You know, I have been a little harsh on, I think at times on Disney and I think they've made some really weird decisions. And I think Lucasfilm, as far as their company and in starting off with this trilogy, they went the wrong way in a sense to where they were not organized from the start. And, and I don't know all the reasons, and there'll probably be a book eventually about that and how this all happened. And who knows? And maybe, like I said, what if Rise of Skywalker manages to, to, to stick the landing like Endgame style and, and make everyone happy? Yeah, right. But I'm just saying, like, I just... I, and I say, yeah, right, just because I, I think Star Wars is really in, in, in a place. You know weird Star Wars fans. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I, would, exactly, I, would, yeah. I doubt it more because of the fans than because of Star Wars itself. Like, they could make an awesome right. movie and somebody's still not going to like something about it. Right. So I, I think with all that being said, I, I just kind of feel that it's it's just been interesting to think about. And I don't, I don't know if, if Disney went the Lucasfilm went the right – everything was the right ideas initially. And – you know, but here's the thing. Star Wars has plenty of time to, like, write itself because they've got another film coming afterwards. They're developing lots of different properties. The Mandalorian, I really think, is going to really help kids get connected into Star Wars because it's going to be literally people in costumes nonstop and just nonstop. It looks like really interesting things and something the whole family can sit down. And, again, like, kids, you know— 12 year olds and below even that want to watch interesting things to look at. And sometimes interesting things to look at are like people in costumes. And that's something that they're going to be, you know, obviously Marvel's shown that you can be in costume and people are going to love it. You can cover your face and people will still like it. So I'm excited. I think, I think the Mandalorian is going to be the, a game changer. I, I, I've been saying it for a long time. I mean, it's not like hard to say that after the trailer even, but I mean, I really think that this is going to be, what star wars needs and i think this is the future of star wars i think star wars is going to be more of a, a, a tv thing more than it is a movie thing at least for for the next couple like at least i'd say five years i don't know i maybe i'll prove them wrong rise of skywalker blows up and the movie after that blows up but i have a feeling that rise of skywalker will do adam will do well you know but not as well as maybe last jedi maybe a little below that maybe the same as still great still but not quite the powerhouse that it once was like force awakens 
And, uh, you know, we'll see. We're really, it's, it's going to be a fascinating, it's going to be extremely fascinating what happens to Star Wars with the Fallen Order, with Mandalorian, and with uh, Rise of Skywalker. Because think about this, people. There's three major releases in different mediums that are coming out this fall winter. Mandalorian on TV, Fallen Order on video games, and Rise of Skywalker on film. And it'll be interesting to see how those three all do well in their respected markets and what they take out of that from their financials and things like that. I, that, that to me, it, I don't think finances are usually, are usually interesting, but the fact that they're releasing three major releases all, and they're all separate, they're not all tied together besides being the same continuity. They're all very different from each other. It's going to be interesting. So I this will be kind of a good gauge to see what's going on. So I think it's a yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting what happens. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with those three for sure, and to see sort of how successful they all are. But at the same time, I mean, Tim, I think you made a really good point that just as fans, like at the end of the day, the most important thing is just that you have fun and enjoy it. And it seems like we're in such a competitive market now where like everybody gets so passionate passionate about the thing that they love and then we want our things to like outperform the other things and it's like oh mm-hmm. is endgame gonna beat avatar and is star wars gonna beat this that or the other thing and you know when jedi fallen order comes out is it gonna make more money than call of duty or whatever other games are coming out and is you know people are gonna be comparing the mandalorian to like game of thrones or stranger things or you know and i mean sometimes those are fair comparisons and obviously you know business is part of the economy and people want to know how well things are doing but at the same time like don't stake yourself as a star wars fan on whether or not the franchise is performing higher or less than marvel movies or whatever like just enjoy what you like and um like you said just be glad that we get so many you know things at once like and even if they're sort of competing with each other at the box office go see both and enjoy both and who cares who makes more money at the end of the day we as fans get to enjoy multiple awesome things so yep we um, win <laughs> yeah yeah find the bend do find the balance in the middle just enjoy what you like and uh yeah but anyway i mean i think that was a pretty good discussion to have to to wrap up the episode um, but before we finish up here, uh, Tim, I don't know. I mean, I know we didn't have a whole lot of news to talk about, but did we get any comments or tweets or anything regarding any of this stuff that you want to read? Well, not this stuff, but we did at the end of our Rogue One commentary, let or ask the listeners to hear their thoughts on what they think about Rogue One. So we actually got some responses on our Rogue One commentary that I'll share on here. So uh, got a couple of tweets on our commentary episode first up from joshua at kessel runner 87 he said just finished the episode great commentary thank you joshua he says in my opinion rogue one is for sure the best disney star wars film overall it's top three for me possibly top two it gets better every rewatch and then star wars junkie at wars junkie says i love listening to these commentaries thank you guys for doing these you're welcome star wars junkie and thank you for listening he says it's great prep work for episode nine which I definitely agree. Just rewatching the song again before nine has been tons of fun and it's going to be great to lead into episode nine. So glad you're having that same enjoyment as well. And then Alan L at label chip says, um, responding to the tweet where I said, is rogue one the best star Wars of the Disney movie ever, or just one of the best star Wars movies period. He goes, yes, just barely over the last Jedi. And yes, I just started listening at work. I'm going to have to restart at home with the film playing. 
So I appreciate you, Alan, listening to the commentary podcast while you watch the movie. Hopefully it's uh, both doing both makes it a better experience. So that's cool. But not all the responses for Rogue One were positive. We did get a few negative ones here where it's not every fan's favorite movie. Um, Darren Heyman at Darren Heyman says, or he replies to the tweet saying, is it even a Star Wars movie? I do like it. I think it's pretty good, but I never think you have to see it. I still like the line in The Crawl of a New Hope explaining it better. We don't have to see everything. It's fine. The stories make sense without it. And then Stefan Lively says, at Stefan Lively on Twitter, says, I am the one person in the universe who who thinks Rogue One is an awful film. It would be nice if that opinion changes because no one loves a hater, but so far, nope. (laughs) Well, never say never, Stefan. I mean, there's... Give movies time, revisit it a few years down the road, and maybe you'll have a different perspective on it. Maybe because of another story comes out or you watch all the Star Wars movies in a row and Rogue One fits better watching it right before New Hope and after Revenge of the Sith or Solo, whatever movie takes place. Maybe before that, the Cassian series comes out, maybe paints it in a different light. So never say never, but too bad you're not enjoying it right now. But hopefully that changes. But um, thanks everyone to responding to and sharing your thoughts on Rogue One and just for saying your kind words on enjoying our commentaries because as you know we have a blast doing them and it's just great to hear that you guys are having a good time listening to us talk about the Star Wars saga as we lead up to episode 9 so it's been a lot of fun and just glad to see you're enjoying it as well and having as much fun as we are doing them yeah definitely thank you guys as always for uh, all your responses and your engagement with us and just for your continued support and listening and following along with us. Um, we always love hearing from you, of course. And, uh, you know, if you want to uh, follow along or uh, comment on more more posts and questions and stuff from us, you can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. You can check out our website at starwarstsc.com to keep up with all the latest news stories that we're posting on there. And you can also always send us an email at starwarstsc at gmail.com. Um, and we'd love to uh, you know read your thoughts and comments and stuff here on the show. Um, but that's going to do it for us. And, of course, also be sure to check out thunderquack.com for all the other awesome shows in the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Um, but that's going to do it for now. Uh, we will be back. Probably our next episode will be our new hope commentary. Cause we still owe you guys yet another movie commentary for this month. Um, so we'll be doing Ro- uh, a new hope, um, sometime during this month. And then at the end of the month, like I said, we'll be doing a big recap episode after D 23 and gamescom when we should have uh, a lot more exciting star Wars news to talk about. So, uh, thanks for tuning in and, uh, until next time we will see you guys later and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Godspeed rebels.